Welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host KB, and I would like to introduce you to industry professionals and people who successfully made their path to the video game industry. I hope that you enjoy the podcast and get useful tips that will bring you closer to achieving your dreams. Now, let's get right into the podcast. Welcome to the GameDev.TV Podcast. So just to get started, why don't you let the fans, the community, the students know a little bit about who you are, and we'll go from there. Oh, snap. We're jumping into it. Yeah. Uh, hi, uh, my name is Nick Souza. I am an aspiring game designer. Um, by day, I am a director of operations for a small company. That's a whole other thing. Uh, but by night, uh, I am a game designer. I specialize in level design and systems. Also do some basic mechanics and stuff. And that's my, pretty much the, the gist right there. I, I got a lot of my experience in D&D and a lot of level design, that kind of stuff, which we can, we can kind of go down that rabbit hole in a little bit. Yeah, we will. So let's go all the way to the beginning. So when did you fall in love with games? Oh, oh, I was not prepared for this question. Um, <laughs> I would say um, I have actually I have to thank uh, probably my dad for that one. Um, I think the very first video game that I ever played was Heretic on uh, Microsoft Windows 95? Oh question gosh. mark? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is this is back in the day when you had it was basically like right after the original Doom came out. I'm pretty sure it was a Doom clone, but we had missed the mm. whole Doom thing uh, okay. at the time. Um, so and we would play that like crazy. Um, basically, like he would like do keyboard and I would do mouse stuff, or we would switch. Um, and like over the years, um, I just became more fascinated with games. Like I got an N64, and that was huge. Um, so you had oh, like I love you know, N64. Oh yeah, so like, many memories. What was your favorite game on the system, just out of curiosity? Donkey Kong 64. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I used to play it uh, all the time with my cousins. I don't know, just something about it, even though it was so simple, like now that I think back back to it, but it just felt like this huge world. Like I guess when we were younger, we just imagined everything. We kind of filled in the gaps of the 3D models that were there at the time. I was like, I'm flying through jungles and swinging around and fighting bad guys. That's a that's a really interesting like note that maybe we can circle back around because like now that graphics are more and more detailed there, there's higher I think fidelity is the, the term for it mm-hmm. um, like you don't have to like use your imagination as much uh, yeah which is so kind of hurts people it can and this is also kinda why I think in, like Nintendo does a really good job of like kind of balancing the systems a little bit uh, in what they do um, but yeah N sixty four all the way up to current age and within the past like four or five years sorry just we're gonna go all over the place <laughs> oh yeah that's fine I, I love it everybody likes it they just want to hear all about games and you and everything so just yeah this is fine uh yeah and then like when the past within the past five years um i i discovered dnd fifth edition and mm-hmm. pretty much Ooh. went down the rabbit hole of chaos that is you know dungeon mastering uh. um and uh, I just started getting more and more into games, and like I started looking at things, you know, from a game designer's perspective. Started reading books and you know seeing lectures on GDC, and you know obviously finding your stuff on uh, on Udemy, and you know uh, with the game dev team, all that stuff. So it's been a uh, it's been very interesting to say the least. <laughs> I can imagine. Now to become a D and D like dungeon master, is that take like? Some course sort of skill, maybe like as in like imaginative skills and also like confidence, leadership skills to be the person who controls the world building? A little bit, yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, um, like obviously you want to provide a really fun experience for 
you know, uh, whoever's in the game. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, you also have to be a little bit of a, a judge as well as like a referee, depending on what mm. goes down. Because unlike a video game, for example, where like you can't argue with the program. You really can't. It's like this is how <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's just it's just there. Uh, like no matter how far away you think you should get to that ledge, you're not going to get there. Uh, you know, uh, whatever it might be. Um, and it does take a little bit of confidence, but I, I always tell people, um, you know, just give it a shot, like with people that, you know, uh, and have fun with it. That's really the most key important thing. Cause you know, even if you don't want to go be, you know, a, like a game designer or anything, you know, uh, it's still really fun to do. Um, so I, I always encourage people to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody wants to become a game designer, should they try playing games like this Dungeons and Dragons and being a dungeon master? I, I would say so, just to like kind of like get your feet wet a little bit, because and this is a interesting conversation I had with who did I have it with? I, I can't remember. Um, what's interesting about being a DM for a dungeon master? Um, it really is more of a focus on a level design aspect, um, because the system is entirely mapped out for you, so you don't have to worry about you know what you do have to worry about like okay, give me a whatever role it might be, but you don't have to figure out how does that system work. You know, uh, there's like there's no mechanical detail involved. That's already written for you. So you can focus on just like telling the story, figuring out what needs to go in the levels, how to present that information, all that kind of stuff. Have you ever uh, been a DM before there, Kevin, or anything of that nature? No, unfortunately, I've actually never played a game like that, like Dungeons & Dragons, or at least for the tabletop. I might have done some sort of like table turning on the console, but no, I haven't. Not yet. Well, let me know. I'm always, I'm always happy to spin up a game uh, at some point. Uh, so I mean, keep me yeah. on, keep me on your speed dial. Oh yeah, I'm always happy to run a game. No, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, because I kind of want to get into it. And my friend actually would love to do it too. We're all into all this stuff. It's just we haven't played it. We've been playing, you know, online multiplayer games, Rocket League, Fortnite, all this other stuff. But yeah, oh yeah, of course. I mean, and there's like it's only so much time in the day, and you got to pick what game you want to play. It's, it's hard. It's, there's yes, so many games not coming out, and I'm like, I want to play this one and this one. Like, I've just been trying to pick up, like, really good games. Like, I, I love PlayStation, so we pick up, like, Horizon, Detroit, mm, okay. um, God of War, uh, the new Spider-Man. It's just those games. I haven't played that one yet. It's on my list. The it's new on one, list. Miles Morales? Yeah, the new one. I, I, I've seen, like, the, the, the one with Peter Parker and Miles Morales, but I've seen the gameplay. It looks awesome. I just it's haven't insane. had the time. He did such a good job, again, because the first one was amazing. And it's like, oh, you probably won't be able to do it again. Oh, they did it even better. They didn't even... <laughs> It's like, darn you game devs, take my money. You just throw take, them, throw it away. But it's good because I feel like at least started probably 2017. Before that, I felt like there was like a plateau of good games. At least okay. maybe because I didn't play that much. I don't know. But like recently, I've been seeing a lot of good games coming out. And I'm like, finally, we're getting stuff that's like pushing the boundaries, doing things different. Even like Last of Us 2, like pushing that's... the boundaries of things that we normally perceive as like good games. Like that game was based off the fact that you were filled with hate throughout the whole time and i was so mm. and then at the end i was like no i actually really enjoyed it it's, even... it's such sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there oh no you're good i was just gonna see even though like the the game has a lot of controversy like i think it did its job that it wanted to do i don't know if it did it effectively but for me it did what it was trying to do that's like one of the like obviously I don't have any like triple A game experience, but I imagine like one of the hardest things for like when you're pitching a game to a studio, well, not studio, a publisher rather, uh, you're like, hey, we're gonna do this thing, it's gonna be really cool, and they're like, 
is it though? Is it, <laughs> you know? Right. Like, like uh, you need to make money at the end of the day. So hopefully yeah, yeah. it works out. <laughs> so it's, it's always been such a gamble. In fact, uh, you mentioned that you watched God of War, uh, the, or we're looking at one of my videos. I actually just watched a, a, a GDC, um, um, uh, oh my God, words, uh, presentation <laughs> what from, <are> words? <laughs> yes, exactly. What are words? Uh, I just watched the presentation from Corey. Uh, I almost, I Balrog? always want to say, yes, I almost say Balrog every time, but I have to catch myself. Um, but uh, I watched a, a presentation from him. I'm like, how he like, uh, like pitched the original idea uh, to the publishers, and how like he his whole thing was like from start to finish. I was in a constant state of fear and worry for the game. It was because yeah. they changed was, a lot. Oh, they did, and also he was trying to push. Just one shot, what would you call that? One shot camera the whole time, where like it never moves away. It's just always. Oh yeah, like camera flowing. cuts or anything like that. Yeah. yeah, and they were fighting him. They were like, "It's not gonna work. It's not possible. We can't do this." No, and he was like, "Yes, we're gonna do it." And 100%. at that documentary that they were talking about, I think it was raising raising Kratos, or rising. Oh Kratos. yeah, yeah. Um, he says that like it even got to a point where before E three, they didn't even know if it was like going to be good the gameplay itself they didn't even know i think because they were doing it live they didn't even like pre-record it so they were like hoping everything worked they were just like oh that was in the presentation that i watched yeah yeah yeah. yeah. He, um, he actually forgot what he needed to do like right before he went up and then there was like one thing that clicked and then the rest fell into place luckily mm -hmm. uh it was uh oh, could you imagine all that stress but they did oh, it man. so well and it's like magical now when we look back we're like just how how did they do that Oh man, like I, I, I constantly hear the uh, like game development is just constant failure until you get something that works. And mm -hmm. oh boy, I can whoo <laughs> that uh for a game of that size and like the, the amount of hype behind it, I can only imagine. Like the, I'm sure he went on like a month long vacation after that project was done. Like oh, he no, must he have just yeah. <sighs> just but now he's time. back at work, and I noticed from his tweets, <clears throat> he's always busy. He's like, I never have time to read, never have time to play games. I'm like, dang, bro. That's a hard, hard life. But yeah, it's funny doing what you like. That's true. That is true. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, just being able to like, I'm making God of War. <laughs> it's just... Right? I, woo. Oh, man. So, so uh, yeah, I was about to ask, what's our transition point? We're moving there. So when you were younger, right, did you want to always make games? Or this started like during college? Like when was your moment when you're like hey i want to do games interestingly enough um it was only within the past like five six years that really hit me um when i was in college i actually really focused on computer animation um so i was studying um uh, at my school they, they uh, called it computer graphics technology and then within that bubble there was the uh animation web design and all the other programs that you could potentially take um so for a long time i thought animation was going to be my the thing that i did um and to a certain degree i i did some jobs here and there uh but for the most part like i just wasn't as into it as i thought i would be um mm, you know that's a really good and, point to make because i think a lot of people get stuck in something that they want to do and then kind of like feel like they have to do it whether they feel like doing it or not because it's kind of a thing nowadays hustle culture it's like, oh, oh I'm just, yeah, I'm just not course. feeling this, so let me just keep pushing through. But it's like, it comes a point when there's so many days when you say you don't feel like doing it, that like, maybe don't feel like doing it. 
it's it's really weird because like uh, I'm I'm pretty fortunate uh, in my position because like I, I one my position allows me to work at home and like I don't have a family to worry about um, you know I don't have kids um, you know I'm I'm in an apartment I don't have to worry about a house or anything like I don't have as many like life obstacles to worry about maybe compared to like some other folks so like when you get locked in on that track it can be very hard to switch. And I'm fortunate enough that I have time outside of my regular job to keep pursuing this. Um, so it's like, it's a tough thing. So uh, more respect to those who are juggling all those crazy tasks at once. More more power to you on that one. Yeah, I, it's rough. But, you know, you just just figure things out and, and do things that feel right in your path. So now when you started, let's see. So you were doing animation for how long? So when 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 did I graduate? I'm trying to remember now. <laughs> right. um, let's see. According to that diploma up there, that was 2011. So I did some freelance work for a, a couple of years. Um, took some odd jobs here and there, and um, eventually I landed a job at my current position, which is at the Digital Arts Experience. Basically, it's a program that teaches like Steam courses, that kind of stuff. And I was an animation instructor for a period of time. Um, mm. And then I actually transitioned more into the admin role. Um, so I do more scheduling and I'll, we'll talk more about this probably, but I'm very much a systems person, which goes into sort of like figuring out how game system is supposed to work. But yeah. I'm always on a spreadsheet at any time during the day, just figuring out odds and ends. So it seemed like that was a better fit for my abilities. And then it kind of just kind of grew from there. Um, but after doing that for a period of time and then eventually like I started playing D and D more heavily, like I mentioned, and I just started like seeing like what, like just seeing like how game design actually functions in terms of like the system mechanics, the world building, how to like everything has to fit together in a certain way, making sure there's a certain user experience. Like I was, I was very fascinated by it and that's mm -hmm. kind of what hooked me. So did you learn this in school or was school more like computer graphics and animation? No, and um, we, we did have, I think there was one course, if I remember correctly, maybe one or two courses out of the entire program that had anything to do with game design. Um, most of my training was just in computer graphics technology uh, across the board, and then among that animation. I was fortunate enough to take some programming classes, which is coming in handy now, mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, next to no game design stuff. Um, everything that I've done has been outside of college. Wow. So would you say for anybody who's thinking about going to school for, to be a game designer, if they should go to college or do their like own self-taught route? I, I would say like if first off, I would caution anyone who's going to do this. Like if you don't find yourself doing this on your free time or at least thinking about it, like obviously you got to you got to live a little bit. You got to go do stuff. You got to yeah. go, you know, you know, see the girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is. You got to go out and do stuff. You know, you got to live a life, you know, just we'll just say that at the front. But. If you're not doing this on a regular basis, you know, then I would maybe reconsider another career path because it's very intensive and it's very competitive, um, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and if you do want to pursue that, like, yes, this is something that I want to do 100%, double check the records of the school you're going to because there have been a lot of, like, uh, I've heard from the grapevine. Um, <laughs> there are a number of, like, schools that are supposed to be teaching game design, but they don't really do it either. They just teach you how to like make a thing in Unity and call it done, or oh, like the, no, yeah. the, the credentials aren't there. So just be careful about that. See like where the graduates are going, 
see like uh, talk to someone who's in the program uh, and just double check. You know, um, use that rate I, my I, professor. <laughs> what's that? Use the rate my professor website. Make sure you got good professors. Oh, that, that oh, that's I, a website. Yeah. yeah, it's called Rate My Professor, and I I didn't even know it until I had a teacher recently who got a one out of five, and I. The reason why I know now is because I'm taking a class. I'm like, this is just not good. This is not good class. And then, I, yeah, I checked, and I was like, no, why did I do this? <laughs> I, I 100% feel it on the class thing. I have had a, a few professors that they say something, and I have no idea what they're talking about. I'm just like, I feel like I walked into, like, the the twilight zone. We're up and yeah. down and left is right. It's just like, what do you, what? What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, but the anyway, thing, though, is like the reason I found this out too is because I, I think it was like twelve or thirteen people in this class. Now there's only like three. I'm like something's not right. That's <laughs> like when you're like your your radar is just, and you just kind of, you like activate beard stroke mode. Something yeah, like, is amiss here. <laughs> so yeah, if something if something does like go off in your brain, something is off. Investigate further. That's that's usually a good indication. <laughs> smart advice okay so then when did you start making games or doing like game design stuff so um so how, how do we define a game Let, let's ask that question first mm, i would say anything that's <laughs> where you can move something around and achieve a goal <laughs> okay okay um or so a direct would, has, yeah so in terms of like um like a viable product sort of thing or yeah Okay. Um, it doesn't have to be a finished. No, no, just just anything that you've like experimented with or built. I would say, um, like right around. Um, I guess it depends on if you want to, how you want to quantify it. But like when I started getting like really heavily into the DM stuff, um, I started like drawing maps. I started you know coming up with like detailed mechanics for like how like what specific. So there's a set of mechanics that works for D and D. You know, that's through all systems. Yeah. I started coming up with, like, unique things like, okay, how can we use these mechanics in a different way? Started coming up with, like, our, our own special custom rule sets, like homebrew stuff. Um, and I would say, like, counting that on its own, only very recently, like, I started going into the Unity, um, you know, pipeline a little bit. With, um, like, the most recent thing that I've made is, like, you can walk through a level, there's collision there. Um, I'm still working on getting door stuff to work because it's a very specific type of like experience that I'm going for. But I would say like within the past like two years, we started getting a better handle on like finishing prototype stuff. Um, sorry, brain all over the place. This is a very <laughs> common issue with myself. Um, Makes for great game designers, right? We're always constantly yes. like <laughs> grabbing things from different places. Uh, but to, to put a concrete answer on the question, uh, probably in the past like two years, I uh, started getting more concrete about deliverables. Okay. And what have you learned while doing those deliverables or prototypes? One, set your goals. I know this is like common experience. <laughs> like, you know, if you, like, you go to the wise old man and you're like, wise old man, tell me something good. And he's like, make sure you set your goals. Like, it, it's like, <laughs> it sounds dumb. But it's really important. Um, like uh, I'm, I'm working on an RPG for uh, my sister's birthday, actually. Um, and she contacted me maybe a month and a half ago. And she says, hey, I've got this thing that I want to do, but I didn't get to do it because of COVID. Can you whip something up? So um, I was very careful said about, okay, I need to make sure that I have this deliverable by this day and figure out if the system is not in place by here. You know, just basically figuring out, give yourself a deadline. Uh, because yeah. the the longer that you spend just 
trying things out and like, oh, I'll just do it, you know, whenever over here, you're never going to get anything done and your mind is going to go all over the place. Uh, I, I definitely am a big advocate for a systematic approach. Uh, mm-hmm. That's kind of like the biggest thing I've learned. And so when did you decide to use systems? Was it like after one time, you know, things not going well and you were like, I got to build a system, a flow, a habit? So yeah, uh, this again goes back to the D&D thing when I was DMing and um, I noticed that there was a good like couple of sessions where my players were just kind of like, they didn't say they didn't like the experience, but you can, you kind of get that vibe. Like yeah. either the body language is kind of like slumped and you're just, you know, throwing Yeah, they're like, yeah, it was great. And you're like, yeah, it was fine. Thanks, Nick. Really <laughs> appreciate it. You could tell that, you know, the session was not as good as some of the others. Um, you know, so one of the things I started doing is like, I, one, I have a limited amount of time during the week. Um, I also have a very long commute. So um, between the travel and like all the other stuff, I needed to be very specific about what I was doing. Um, mm-hmm. So from there on, I said, okay, I'm going to take some time off. Um, I took maybe three to four months off of DMing and I just watched a bunch of different lectures on GDC, took notes on stuff that I really liked, and then just kind of cobbled together my own system to m- stop my brain from going in five different directions. Um, wow. You stopped everything and just started like learning from GDC and taking notes and building your system. Pretty That's much, wild. it's uh, whew, it was uh, it was quite a it was quite a time off because it was just like there's a lot of really good stuff on GDC. Like there's a lot so of, many hour so long lectures of stuff that I'm like, this is beautiful genius. How am I gonna keep this all in my head? Because I'll watch a video and forget it like a couple weeks later. No, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of watching it, taking notes, and then somehow, like, making a master spreadsheet that has everything interconnected. It sounds dopey, but it's like how my brain works. Mm-hmm. They also say if you teach it, you what you retain it more. You actually oh, understand yeah, yeah, yeah. it. So, have you felt like your YouTube videos have helped you explain the things you've learned through these GDC talks? Oh, 100%. Like uh, you, again, we mentioned the God of War world building video that I had, mm-hmm. I had made. Um, I, I knew like inside my brain what I wanted to like, uh, how everything was ordered. But when it came time to deliver that, I, I, I looked at my original script and it was absolute garbage. Um, it was just absolute mishmash of run on sentences. You know, uh, it was hard to see how things connected and it doesn't matter how beautiful your system is or how great your game is. If no one understands what the hell you're talking about or what they're supposed to be doing, it's wasted effort. Mm-hmm. Um, so just making sure that, um, you know, that's when I really took a look at that and why I also took some time to just review basic grammar, <laughs> you know, uh, like it came yeah. really handy. You'd be surprised just the fact that like speaking, being articulate, grammar, all that stuff. Sometimes we get kind of lost and, and to be able to do a video like that, you need to really stand out, really have the right words to like grab the readers because your video is really good. Like, I'm, I was just listening. I was like, wow, this should have way more views because you explained it so well. And I didn't even Thank think you. about the way with the whole culture. And then Beyond is built upon everything, like the weapons, the um, clothing, everything that's in the game is built beyond the culture of it, the history behind it. And then you were talking about how, like, with the the wolves, it's like a world where it's natural, but it's not tamed. And there were people here because they have language and this and that. And I was like, wow, I didn't even think of that while playing it. But I felt like it because this game really made me feel immersed. So... The stuff you were saying, I was like, this is genius. I just didn't think of it. Like Thank that. you. <laughs> yeah, it's, no problem. I blame the YouTube algorithm. <laughs> oh, no, we'll get it up. This podcast. Wait. Everybody who's listening to this podcast, go watch the video. 
and then share it. I'll put a link on the description. But yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, no yeah, and uh, and again, this it's one of those weird things. Is that I think was I think it was my second or third playthrough of God of War because the first time I'm just playing it, you're running around, you're smacking, you know, ch uh, what is it, chests or barrels or whatever. Mm -hmm. You're breaking stuff. You're punching gods in the face. It's a fun time. You get lost up in the in the in the chaos. Uh, and then you go back and play it again with a game design lens. Exactly. That's what I started to do. I'll play a game, enjoy it, and I'll go back and be like, so what did they do here? And actually, do you have a system for that? Do you like actually focus on certain things while you're playing in your second playthrough? Or do you just, just view it differently and that's it? That's a, that's a good question. Um, because one of the things I used to do was um, like every, I think, Saturday, I would sit down and play a different game and then try to analyze it as I played. Which, by the way, super difficult to do. <laughs> Not fun content at all to watch. Um, you know, so you stop doing that. Um, but I found that um, when, as I was playing the game, uh, just to experience, it was because, uh, you know, you get, your hands are doing stuff and, you know, yeah. you're trying to focus on the puzzle. It, it's splitting your time between doing that and trying to analyze, like, what I'm actually doing. It's not that you can't do it. It's just if the game is intriguing in any way, like, your analysis side of the brain starts switching over to, like, the more fun and, like, mm. creative side. Um, so it's it's very much a skill to just like constantly like okay, why did I move this puzzle piece here? What, what did the designers put that there on purpose? Uh, does this have any multi use? Uh, like and you're just it's a very like frustrating experience sometimes. Um, you know, and I think I forgot what your question was. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I might have forgot too. I said, oh, have you created like a system to? While you're playing the game, like, do you, like, look oh, for yes. things? Do you write things down? Do you, or do you just, again, I, I think from what I've gathered, you just view it and kind of see it differently and then take the time to reflect on it later, probably. To be more concrete to the answer, yes. Um, I try to pay attention to what I'm doing. I will take notes occasionally as I go through. It won't always be the same. Uh, it does mainly depend on genre. Uh, but generally, mm -hmm. I'll try to identify. I'll just even ask the question, why am I doing it this way? Like, if I just ask that question, that will generally, like, pop mm. up other things to start asking about. And then maybe I'll start seeing a pattern of some sort. Um, for God of War specifically, when I did that, I was specifically looking for a world-building aspect. So I was yeah. more paying attention to certain things. Um, so that did help um, a lot with that one. Now, for a video length, the God of War one, how long does that take to make? Oh, uh... So for the game, um, I think I, I told myself, um, all right, play it no more than 10 hours because otherwise you're going to play through it all again. Um, yeah. So it was just capturing the footage, taking notes. That probably, like, with the job and everything, that probably took, like, a week and a half, uh, just, like, using bits of time here and there. Getting yeah. the script together took another week, and then the video editing probably took... It, it was probably a month or more total to get that video made. Um, wow. Give or take. Yeah, it was a lot of work. But it's worth, I mean, it's worth it at the end because it shows that you understand a lot of things. And it's also a concrete place to just be like, hey, check out my ideas on this game. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Because I see it on one of your resume sites or your website. It is on my website. Um, and funny enough, I actually made that to try and snag a spot. <laughs> studio, really? So I was oh, like, yeah, I did, I did. I was just like, hey, I like God of War and just kind of put it up there. So when so. you're trying to get a job at Santa Monica, is that for game design? It was, I think, uh, specifically, it was for actually world building. I can't quite remember what the job description was, but uh, a big component a component of it was world building. Um, that's actually what spurned the idea for the video. Um, Interesting. So what do you, what I, do you feel like the credentials for that, for world building? 
Uh, they actually cited, um, you know, art, just RPG experience. I was like, okay, I've been a dungeon master for a few years. I've got lots yeah. of examples on that. Um, again, this is that job was probably like six to eight months ago, so I can't remember what all the details were. But yeah. um, there was basically understands narrative and system designs, um, has RPG experience of some some sort, understands games, loves world building, can collaborate with scripting, and I think there were a couple of extra bonuses. Or like, if you know programming, great. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what what I remember from that. It was. And again, I'm doing my best to stick to the question because I will ramble off into existence here. Um, I seem to Sometimes recall that's what the that, goal is. Hey, there you go. Um, I seem to remember that like anytime I've seen world building in a job, like I use LinkedIn primarily for that. Um, it seems that they want to make sure that you can work and communicate very well with the other departments. Like that's always a key thing in there. Um, in terms of like other qualifications, I think that varies by studios. I don't think I've seen anything that's super consistent. Okay. So now when you say communicate well with other studios, besides the normal means of communicating, do you mean like understanding like 3D modeling, animation, writing, programming, just kind of how like everything sort of works so that it's a better way to like express yourself? Okay. Um, From what I kind of gathered, I think it was just being able to clearly communicate. Like you said in the video, like the script was like, I spent like, you know, a good week and a half just writing the script to make sure the ideas were communicated properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was a big component there. Just, just the ability to speak very well and to concisely convey your ideas, whether verbally or written. Mm. Now, if somebody wanted to improve that, cause I know a lot of games, people might be a little shy or afraid or not very good at effectively communicating. How could they improve? We're we talking about like Toastmasters, we're talking about like writing classes. Like, what do you think? How do you think you've improved your communication? So- for me specifically, again, because I'm a very systems-focused person, um, I just said, you know what? Um, I I just need to buy a book. I need to read it, and I need to just basically rehash my old... I got to dust off the old English side of my brain since we were talking Shakespeare and writing essays and whatnot. So mm-hmm. um, I bought a couple of books. Um, every night I would read up on just basic grammar and that kind of stuff. Um, and then I would take that information, make a list out of it. And I actually have it in the upper left corner where we have at the very top, the components of a, the structure of a sentence. And then under that, we've got the nouns, pronouns, verbs, adverbs, wow. and like things like that. Um, so that worked for me. Um, I don't know if that will work for everyone. Some people may just need to like go take a creative writing class or mm-hmm. something like that. Like I, I wish I could say like this is going to work for everyone. Um, yeah. It probably will for some folks, but at the end of the day, just just you got to go out and do it. So read a book, take a class, just start doing stuff. Like I look at my writing from like a year ago, it's garbage, absolute garbage. Um, you know, and I'm still making improvements today. That's a good thing, though, to notice that it's like garbage because that means you've improved from then. Because if you look back and say, "Oh, yeah. it's the same that I'm writing now," and it's like, "Well, maybe you didn't improve," but no, it's good. And also, I'm curious. So as a game designer. Around, I don't know if you've experienced it yet because you haven't. You said you haven't worked at AAA yet, but like, how much of programming do they need to know in a game designer position, or from, like, what's the cap? Because there is where you get from you know programming to like you know how to work with memory management, and I feel like that's like a point. Where oh think, yeah, when you're getting yeah. into like you get into the zeros and ones of the of the whole yeah. situation. Um, that's a great question. I mean, I from my two cents, um, and I'm just gonna put it out there. Programming for me is I can do it, but it's like. It's like trying to take down a brick wall with a chisel when a drill would probably be a better solution. Like I'm very slow to it because I'm more of a visual person. 
Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, I would say that like as long as you understand the basis of like what a function is, what variables are, and how to basically like see how the systems communicate in terms of like this variable gets sent over to this function. Like as long as you have a basic idea of programming, depending on the job description, that way you can actually talk to a programmer like if you need to. Because if you're someone who like creates a system, you need to be able to talk to that programmer maybe a little bit with a language they're familiar with, both the actual programming language and like yeah. words they understand to make sure that it gets made properly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that that's kind of like my direction on that. If that does that make sense? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but I should I, I, should I rehash that? Well, yeah, probably yeah. Because um, I I also agree with you though. Let's just I'm gonna do a little tangent about the whole um struggling with the programming because I'm also very visual and to me like I get it I can program, but it, again it feels like what you said it's like a little bit like not my like number one skill i would say it's not my talent it's just something i've gotten better at yeah so how how do you handle like that if you you just not does not bother you because you're into like animation and other stuff for the programming part no it does it does bother me because like video games in particular you have there has to be programming like there's, there's no there's no way around it so like for me personally like if i can't figure out like how to make something simple happen, I feel like a doofus, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, right, yeah. It's like, I should like, be you able see to all make these... this... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. You should be able to make one little cube move to the right in Unity, but for some reason it takes me like two hours when it takes someone like 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's just one of those things because like, and, um, you know, again, I'm very visual, so like, if I were to just animate it, I would just, you know, go over to the keyframes, I would set the position, go to the next point in time, set the next position, all that stuff. I think the problem is that, um, you know, when it, if you look at someone who has training in computer science, like, their whole thing is understanding the actual, like, system of programming, you know, and that's something that I don't have. Like, I, I talk with my brother-in-law, he, he, he was a computer scientist in, in, uh, in college, and, like, Luckily, we have just enough of understanding that we can communicate ideas. But when he starts going down into like heavier stuff, like I don't even I don't even remember what we talked about. Like you know, it's just oh my god, it's crazy. So just circling it back around because I'm a tangent talker myself. Don't feel bad. <laughs> just keep at it. <laughs> just, oh man. So where were we though? You were. Saying... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I blame was, myself. I blame myself. You were saying. I think we were talking about. Um, you oh, know, we were gonna because you were explaining the whole program of game design, and then it didn't fully make sense. So you were gonna explain a little more. Right. Um, <laughs> but I don't so, think. <laughs> I don't like, know if you remember like, exactly what. <laughs> like, just to kind of bring that all around, because uh, I'm sure folks are fascinated by my tangents over here. Uh, just to bring it all around and to maybe put put that to bed, um, like whatever it is you're bad at, find other examples, pick it apart, uh, you know, reach out to other folks. Like game programmers, and I didn't know this until recently, they are more than happy to share code and like techniques, um, particularly because um, there's like a million one ways you can do things differently. So uh, anyone that you you can talk to, they're a big help. Like I actually made a lot of bounds in the Unity project or the uh, Unreal project I'm working on. Because I had access to somebody else's project. Like, they wrote a blog post about it, and I was able to, like, borrow bits and pieces. So it's very complex. Don't feel bad. Just keep at it and, like, go work with a programmer if you need to. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm like, working – I'm trying to, like, get some other people on board for a thing. So it's, like, it takes a lot of different skill sets. Um, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking about that, and we're going <laughs> to 
we're going to return, return the podcast to you. <laughs> so it's funny because it's perfectly in transition to what I was going to ask you, which is Excellent. what are you making in Unreal and how has the process been in Unreal? Okay, so um, I originally took um, your uh, Unreal course uh, on C++ Udemy. or the Blueprint? The Blueprint one. Uh, I am not brave enough to do the C++ yet. <laughs> um, maybe one day. Um, but I started. Yeah, the Blueprint one's a great one. I love that one so much. Oh, it's it's very very helpful. Um, so I got a basic understanding of what I need to do, and I poked around with a couple other tutorials, and I was I was like, okay, I'm ready to dive in. Um, but what I decided to do because game design is tough enough, um, I decided to recreate one of my my favorite games from when I was a kid. Uh, like not a full version, just like a simple level of the game, which is have you played Baldur's Gate 2, Shadows of Bomb? No. Oh, I kill it. I my need heart. to. I'm sorry. It's That's too many okay. games. It's I know, I know. Steam is not helpful with all their discounts and whatnot every day, so I, I partially blame them. Well, now um, that I got a PC and it like is powerful, I'm on that like PC grind with the PC games and all that stuff. Because before I just uh, had the consoles. Oh, I hear you, I hear you. Uh yeah, we will we will we will come back to that at some point, I'm sure, because that is that is another rabbit hole. Uh but um I decided to recreate just the, a very small section of a dungeon from that game. Because one, I already know how the mechanics are supposed to work. It, this will allow me just to focus on the programming and seeing like what unique issues I need to get around. And it's, it'll get me good experience. It'll be a good like product saying, hey, I made this thing. It's not an original idea, but it shows that I know the engine. I know like how to like work around the unique issues that pop up, that kind of stuff. Um, and it's going pretty well. I actually managed to figure out uh, how to like get a fog of war to work uh, from a 2D map kind of perspective thing. Um, I actually combined a 3D model with a 2D background, which had its own set of unique issues, which was interesting. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm just like in the middle of another project. But once I come back, I'm going to start looking at like how to like get doors to open and hide parts of the map, and you know get enemies in there. Got to get a turn-based system. So it's going great. Just you know, you watch all these tutorials, and you're like, I'm good to go. And you're like, oh, I don't know how to do this part. A hundred percent. That's literally me. I'll be like, okay, it seems easy enough. And then you open up Unreal, and you stare at it for like an hour. And then you, you open up like actors. You used to go into the programming, and you're like, what do I... At the beginning, it was hard for me to connect everything together. I was just like, how does yeah. this work with that? And then I started to learn more about it. But it, it's it's difficult. And the tutorials give this false sense of, like, you know it because you were following the tutorial. Mm -hmm. That's why it's always good to get away from tutorial hell and, and just actually try to figure things out on your own. And then if you run into problems, go into the uh, documentation instead of another tutorial. Uh, unless you get really stuck, and then you can go to the tutorial. But, like, yeah, it's better to like, think about it than copy and paste it. A hundred percent, which is, uh, again, why I really liked the, the blueprint tutorial from you guys, because um, there's a specific part of the, se the section where, like, they do a concept and they say, okay, here's a challenge or something, like, we're not going to tell you how to do. Um, I thought that was particularly effective. Um, no, that's know. genius. That's why I fell in love with Games.TV, and that's why I'm here now. But, hey. uh, but no, seriously, that's it's just the best way to learn. It's not to just, here you go, this is how it's done. It's like, well, we're going to show you how, but first, try to figure it out on your own. From the stuff we've learned previously, and it's like, okay, let me go do that, and then let me go share my results, and I don't know, it feels more like a community, a school, than it does like just tutorials online. One hundred percent, and uh, maybe this is something we can talk about a little bit more. Like, um, like there is a big emphasis between creators on sharing ideas, 
Um, you know, uh, I know that we're again, we've talked about the hustle culture a little bit, um, yeah, you know, a little bit. Um, and, you know, it's very easy to kind of like just take all your ideas and put them in a box and like these are my ideas. No one can have them. Uh, but the, the problem is with that, um, then it's very hard to make advancements, um, you know, no, that's true, you know, and then like the more that you can like learn from somebody else, the more that they can learn from you. And I know it's very cheesy to say, but it's very true. Uh, and particularly for Mr. Dumbo programming over here, it's very helpful. <laughs> oh, I don't say that. <laughs> you have not seen my code, sir. <laughs> so. You haven't seen my code. True, nah, true, touche, touche. Yeah, but I consider myself more a game designer than a programmer, anyways, because I enjoy more of the um, storytelling, the world building. Yeah, I, I like, I, I, because it's like it's one step closer to visual. Like that's why I really like it, because like I can see it in my mind as I'm like writing it out on paper. Yeah, um, and you can kind of just breathe life into this thing that wasn't there before. It's super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so what's your favorite part about game design? I would say. All right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get a little nerdy here. Um, so, I as a person um, have trouble like just going. Like, you ever been invited to a party and you're just kind of like, mm-hmm, 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 and you kind of just like hang out in the back a little bit. That's me. <laughs> All right, you know, I I have decent you know interpersonal skills. Like, I can talk to people. I, I don't you know, but unless like we're there to like go do something, I sometimes have problems actually figuring out how to like start the conversation. As dumb as that sounds, no, um, no that makes sense. That's actually probably relatable to a lot of people. Yeah, and mm. one of the things that I really enjoy as a game designer is creating experience that people can connect with. That I find that to be a really fulfilling part of it, you know. And it doesn't matter, like, what part of the game people enjoy, whether that is, like, I'm going to relate to D&D again, whether that is, like, min-maxing characters or, like, going on a really cool adventure or, like, just, you know, exploring a world. Um, that's something that, for me, is really fulfilling because then I can I can meet new people and, like, you know, we're talking about God of War. We love God of War. Like, let's punch yeah. stuff in the face. Exactly. You know? so, Actually, so if that's, I, yeah. with this conversation, I wouldn't even thought that at the party. I thought you'd be like, yo, what's up, guys? Let's talk about this. Let's talk about God of War, Star Wars. It's hard, though, because not everybody at party wants to talk about games like that. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. You know, you're going to have people that are more into, like, uh, sports games and, you know, puzzle games. And everyone's got their niche, you know? That's, that's true, cool. yeah. But no, games just brings everyone together. Even the people who are into sports, it's like, hey, you want to play FIFA? And then you start playing with them, and then you start bonding. It's like, hey, I like games. You like sports. Let's mix it together. 100%. Like, I'm always down to play a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any game. I just need to play more games. I think I've kept myself in like rpgs shooters and that's really it i feel like i've yeah, only played shooters my whole life <laughs> that that is something i've noticed like for myself particularly i do tend to like focus on like rpg narrative sort of game experiences so like i'm constantly trying to all right let's go do a puzzle game or let's go do like this wacky simulator that i've never heard of before um you know just to just to kind of expand out the library like actually i'm gonna ask you a question what is the wackiest game that you've played what do you think just wow. like this should not work as an idea, but somehow it does. What? Okay, I think I recently played something like that. Um, what is the wackiest game? Dang, this is oh my goodness. We can circle back to it later. Um, how about Crazy Taxi? What's Crazy right? Taxi? I've never heard of this one. You ever played Crazy Taxi? No. I don't know. It's like that wacky, but it's basically all you do is pick up pedestrians and like bring them to the area. Like a regular taxi person. But the game, I guess, is wacky in a way. The music isn't, like, 
it's a lot of upbeat music. You're you're super fast. So it's crazy taxi. So the goal was to go super fast. So you're like jumping off ramps. You're like going down like San Francisco. Oh, going, so like, it's crazy taxi. It's crazy taxi. And it's probably one of my favorite games of all time. And it's on the PS2 and it started off as an arcade game. Then they released it in the PS2. Yeah, that, that's one of the games where it's like, this really shouldn't work. Like, because racing games could, for me get really boring sometimes. But it just works so well. You know, and that's one of the other things I love about game design. Because, like, if you walked up to somebody and said, I want to make a game. It's an Italian plumber that eats mushrooms and jumps on turtles. Right? <laughs> it sounds stupid. It sounds It does, actually. So the way you stupid. said that, yeah. You're like, no. Same way. It was like, hey, I want to make a game where you uh, deliver pedestrians and you're, you, you drive really fast. And I'd be like, okay. We could probably make that work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, like, one of the best things about this area. It's just, like... Like, what is the core experience that you want to make? And then you have to somehow make that fun. And it's just, it's just, it boggles me what some designers are able to do. Like, I think I've seen a game where, um, I can't remember the name, but it was just like, you're just a, a, a train, um, uh, what's, what's the word? Um, not conductor. Um, it's basically, you're just controlling trains on like a, a map system. And like, so would you be like, it's like a system controller, like this something yeah, okay. like that. Yeah. So like you can open up new stops and like the whole point is just optimize the routes. Like that's the entire game. That's cool. Actually, that reminds me of Locomotion. You ever played that game? Um, hell, I'm going to Google it real quick. It's kind of like Rollercoaster Tycoon, but instead you're building transportation for like coal, oil. Uh, you're basically building the infrastructure of everything with, with trucks, with boats, with planes. I played that game for hours and hours and hours and hours. And it's such an amazing game because of the music. You're just chilling. Jazz music as you try to decide how to build the train station so I can optimally get the most oil to the other place and make the most money as the business owner in that world. I I did Google it. However, I got Kylie Minog, an official YouTube video. It's Chris (laughs) Sawyer Locomotion. Chris Sawyer, okay. But yeah, if you ever love Rollercoaster Tycoon 2, the old one, you're going to love this game. It's got nine out of ten on Steam. Oh yeah, here we go. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's it's like, like isometric. Um, yeah, yeah. I got you. Okay, yeah. This has never crossed my path. I'll have to check that out. No, you really, you really should. And yeah, you're just building train stations, bus stations, airports, ports. That's all you're doing. So then, let me let me uh, it, it, let me ask you a question about this game. Like, what was because a big part of like the the, 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 the sorry. <laughs> My brain's going like five miles an hour. <laughs> uh, like, what was like for you playing that game? Like, what was the moment of like, yeah, I'm making progress? Like that moment of like fulfillment, like just like opening more stations. Like, what was it? So this is weird, but I think for a long time, I don't know if we would say OCD, but I think I I got fixated on how things are supposed to be done. That like I didn't really expand much in this game. So like when I think back to it, I'm like I really could have done more. Like I didn't uh, like move forward in a lot of things. Like I realized in Rollercoaster Tycoon 2 when I started to actually complete the challenges and do the actual single player, that I started to really like grow as like the player. So I guess because hmm, I remember one level I spent weeks and weeks on because i just didn't want to leave it so i went because you go in years so i went from like 1970 to 200 i think 2040 and nothing really progressed like my my sh- train started to like just like 
breakdown and nothing really was happening. It wasn't making that good of money. And then I started looking at YouTube videos of people playing this game. And I was like, wow, I really didn't do much. Like people had integrated systems where it's like five stations and the trains are like going into like there's like 10 trains. But the way they set it up, they're able to like function properly without crashing because I used to have trains crash. And, and so I, I now as I'm older and I'm like really evaluating things, I've learned that like you really have to set goals even in games sometimes to push yourself beyond what you do, especially if you're like me who gets like stuck in like how things are supposed to work or like, I don't know, even in a game of Tropolis Mania when I was younger, have you ever played that? No, I don't think so. It's like a game where you build a city. Okay. And you have to, it's, it's simple. That's pretty much it. You build a city, you interact with the pedestrians to get more people to come to the city and you solve their problems. It's a really cool game that I also had trouble beating it because I guess I was very like the buildings have to be in a square Instead of it being like however I want to form it, like I, okay, I interesting. like you know what I'm saying. Like I like to keep things like a box. Kind of. Have you ever listened to Alan Watts? I'm, I, I, the name sounds familiar, but I'm he's a philosopher. On the... But this really, I think, was the moment when I switched from being that like boxed and like things have to be a certain way. Is he was like all humans like to create things in like boxes and straight lines, but life isn't uh, like that. Okay. Life is about like the roots go their way. The water moves in a certain way. Life isn't just squares and boxes and lines. But humans try to make it like that. And I was like, dang, you're right. And it, that's I feel like I've been so stuck in this, like, life has to be a certain way. And now I'm moving into, like, life is messy. And my mind can be messy. And things I built can be messy. Yeah. That that does bring up, like, another um, interesting concept in terms of, like, not so much a design experience, but from a player experience. Because yeah. definitely when I was younger, I was worried about playing a game the wrong way. Yes. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, why? Why was I like the games however I want to play it? That's what Will Wright always says, too. Like, he, the way he makes games is that he builds a toolbox, and then they go and build, play the game they want to play, build the experiences they want to build. That's why, like, Sims, you can play for hours and hours and hours. And I love the Sims because I would make stories have my, like, all this crazy stuff happening, like my future generation family and stuff. That, that's another, like, really interesting prospect because, like, as I, like, I actually haven't played a lot of the Sims, so maybe this is something you can, like, uh, help me out with but as i understand it, like there's no like narrative plot to the sims right there's none right so like and it's so interesting though because like i've talked with people who have played the sims and they have like all these crazy stories of stuff they've done but that there's no goal with it like it's like it's almost the si side effect of like just the way the game has been set up mm -hmm. it's, like, it's, it's interesting so too because i used to like cheat codes a lot when i was younger so you know get the I, million I dollars yeah what did you go to <laughs> So I used to yeah get the million dollar cheat code and I'd play The Sims and live like that like lavish lifestyle. This is actually very philosophical, but so I got to a point where I was like, this is kind of boring. So then I started to play the game the way it was intended to be played, at least in my eyes, which is not cheating. So I would you know you would get your sim and they'd go to work and then make money and then eventually everybody would make more money. So then you had bigger house. Like you would just like slowly grow. And then at the end of the day, when I was like the older sim and i had like a huge house i felt more fulfilled so then i came to realize i was like life isn't about what's at the end of it it's about the journey and i learned that through mm. sims I, this is like <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> so when I, I relate to this so much when people are like but i want this and i'm like look i've learned from sims that you can get it at the end and it's not going to make you fulfilled it's about either earning it or just living a life towards that end goal that you wanted and they and say wild. videos don't teach you anything exactly that's why <laughs> 
So yeah, that's why I'm like I for me I've always been an advocate of games. I'm like games are deeper than you guys think. And now I love it because it's become one of this big cultural icon. Like esports is I think reached the point where it's one of the biggest sports now in the world because mm-hmm. of just all the mm-hmm. esport gamers, which is wild to think. Because like ten years ago, people were like gamers are just people in their basement. Now gamers are like millionaires because of like Ninja or other people winning tournaments. Oh God, it's I- wild. Twitch is a whole other beast. Like I, I, I feel like an old man every time I go into Twitch. I'm like, so what? What are the coins or the the sparkly things you give people? Like I have no idea what's. Going oh yeah, on. what is all that? And Reddit too has that. You get a gold thing or silver token or. Oh my! Oh, sorry, what that was my these? phone. Oh no, you're uh, good. Uh, I, I feel <laughs> I don't know. It's like I, I'm because like, I'm just like there's so much so much time today. I'm just like ah, oh, just let me just let me watch my thing. It's fine. Uh, yeah. it's, uh it's so wacky. I um. Oh, I had a question and I immediately forgot it. Uh, so we're gonna let that one go. Um, <laughs> It'll come back. Have you heard of uh, Miko? I think it's Miko. Code Miko. Code. I have Twitch heard streamer. of it. She is. So oh, she, she has. Two I thought it was a product. For a second. Oh no no, it's a, it's a streamer. She has two forms. Her human form is called a technician. <laughs> okay. And her virtual her virtual form is called I think Miko. Code Miko. Hmm. She. She's extremely talented and smart. She built this virtual character. She 3D modeled it, put it in real, bought a $1,500 motion caption suit. And, oh, interesting. And becomes this character for her streams. And she's like wacky and crazy. But her real she self is like sweet game. and nice. That's cool. Yeah, but like, so you're streaming or doing an interview with a virtual character who's controlled by a technician. But because they're two different people, she even talks like two different people. As in, like, the one person will say, oh, yeah, the technician yeah. wanted to do this, but it didn't work out. So now she's she built me, and I talk through her. Like, it's this weird thing. And I'm like, what is going on? First of oh, all, it's it cool because she uses somehow. Unreal. She uses Unreal, and I don't know how she does all this system because she creates a virtual space where the character sits and things happen. And, and, and then her chat can interact with that world and make her do things. And it's like they're playing a game and then watching the NPC interact with them. And it's the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. And, and like, as like a designer, like again, we talked about the whole idea of like, what is the experience I want to create for people? But the other aspect of this, and we've kind of touched on it, is like understanding who the audience is. Um, mm-hmm. There was a really fascinating uh, GDC lecture uh, where this guy talked about um, taste maps, and um, yeah. it, the whole the whole concept was like. The more that you can focus on a, a, like a spe- uh, like what your game is supposed to be, the more readily you can market to that specific avenue. And for the life of me, I remember watching it. I can't remember all the details. If you can look it up, uh, maybe I, I'll find it and I'll send it to you. But um, it was just like understanding like what the experience is supposed to be, but also understanding like what that core audience it's expects because. The gaming industry has been around for what 30, 40 plus years now. Uh, more? I'm sure it's more. Probably fifth. When was the first game? Let's find out. Oh, oh boy. Here we go, Google. Save us. 1958? 58. Was that... Oh, is that... That wasn't like Asteroids or something, was it? I'm like trying to remember. Because 1970s was Pong. That was Pong. Apparently, it's like a tennis game, kind of like Pong. Yes. But not yet. Yes, yes. I remember reading about this. Um... Okay, so ni- what was it? Nineteen fifty-eight. Fifty-eight. So it's been seventy-ish years, give or take. Um, and like by this point, like 
the longer this goes on, like the more expectations we have for certain genres, right? So like if I say sci-fi adventure, you know, you're going to expect a certain like set of mechanics possibly or like a certain experience yeah. versus say, you know, The Sims, which is just like it's a world building thing. You go and make it your own. Um, and that's just such a wacky thing to design for. Um, and it's just like, it's such a big thing to consider because, you know, the more you try to like break into new markets or like to, or not new markets per se, but to, to new like genres, the more risk it is and the less like chance you have of like, and this goes back to our talk about, you know, publishing games and that kind of stuff. Um, it's all, it's, it's all one big crazy equation. It is the whole game design equation. But um, I would recommend checking out that masterclass with Will Wright because he goes into okay. depth about the player experience, the systems. He's really into systems and how things work for game design. Because it's just interesting how like the games he's made are very like different. Like The Sims is different. Then he made I think Spore where you can create your own creatures. And, like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember Spore. Yeah, and then after I think now he's making a game where your is it your memories. You can, like, travel through your memories or something? Let me see. He just, like, he, he just keeps pushing new levels of things, and I'm like, what is this? It's it's definitely oh, weird yeah. because... Oh, yeah. What, what you got? It's called Proxy. It's it's Proxy. a game of self-discovery where you uncover the hidden, your subconscious, your inner ID, and bring it to the surface. So, essentially, like, yeah, you're, you're diving deep into who you are. You know, um... And again, I'm going to rein myself in here. Um, again, like that goes into like like you mentioned the whole aspect of like every game like trying to push the boundaries of what the medium should be. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and I absolutely adore games that just have you like when you finish the game, you're just like, what did I just play? And like you end up having like a sort of an existential crisis a little bit. Um, there's a game called Soma. Have you played it? Have you heard of it? No. So it the 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 game itself is not like s super crazy detailed. Um, it's basically you are uh, walking around in this in this future area. I'm gonna try not spoil it too much, but essentially the game is all focused on asking you what constitutes uh, you know you are you or what is what is like what can we consider life to be? That's essentially what the whole game was about. Um, like okay. the combat wasn't great there were it was like a sort of a more of a spooky horror experience but there wasn't any like actual real threat though it did scare me a few times um <laughs> so it was i really enjoyed that game because it wasn't like a, like a fantastic experience from like the actual like not necessarily like the game itself but just from like the, all the things it put together to try to just bring up questions that are not brought up by the character the quest or anything like that it was all just directed at you um and i i really really appreciated that yeah, so these horror... I'm really bad at horror games. I get scared too easily. But, like, some of these can really push you into uncomfortable positions and, like, really make you think about oh, yes. things. Yeah. So I'm looking at gameplay trailer, and it's just, like, it's spooky and scary. And it's, like, I don't know, you know? You just gotta push yourself to be, like, what are you really afraid of? The dark? Your your Yourself? What's out there? Like, I don't know. And and it's kind of... Creepy. I'm sorry, I, I keep talking over you. I'm a oh, no, horrible guest. I was just rambling. <laughs> I, and that's something that I've seen uh, discussed before, where horror is kind of almost... I mean, it is its own genre, but when you talk about it from like a game mechanic standpoint, you know, there are 
the horror can either be something existential that you're running away from or, you know, something that is sort of like it could just be something internally, you know, mentally um, and yeah. seeing like all the different ways that you can um, shape that to tell a story or to, you know, create this experience is something that like it's not really done in any other genre that I can think of. Uh, like if you look at like fantasy, it's all about, you know, uplifting yourself and going on this epic journey like sci-fi is usually about exploration and you know you know you can insert sci-fi horror but that's then you got the horror genre in there um puzzles are just like figuring out like how to solve this thing um you know narrative storytelling is again just telling the story i'm sure there's a ton of other genres i'm forgetting about but case in point like horror is kind of just like its own unique thing it doesn't really overlap very much it complements but like it's just kind of its own thing it's also very fascinating to me yeah, and same with the puzzles, too. Like, when do you think puzzles are actual really good puzzles or, like, messed up riddles? Yeah, and that, that um, the, the question of, like, puzzles are, like, dynamic versus, like, I, I can't, I think it was from, was this a Bioware lecture? I can't remember, but um, there was a discussion about puzzles of, like, layered versus dynamic where, like, any kind of solution is a solution versus one where the puzzle changes and, like, you add more mechanics to it. Like, very interesting thing. We could go down another rabbit hole with that, but puzzles are just, like, it, again, they're their own thing, um, you know, but they can be utilized in so many different ways. Yeah, that's interesting. And then, so, like, when have you experienced any puzzles that, like, you were just, like, this isn't even a good puzzle? This is just, like, just aggravating or infuriating? Like, maybe Pokemon or, or something like that? I'm trying to think of, like, a specific puzzle that I didn't like, but most of the times that um, I think the main reasons, like anytime I didn't like a puzzle, it came down to one, I didn't understand that there was another aspect to the puzzle. So, in other words, um, if you've been working with, you know, jigsaw pieces and, you know, you know, you can rotate them and turn them on their sides and all that, like, oh, there's actually a picture on the other side that I need to see. Like, that, that's norm yeah. normally not a thing. Um, so not understanding like what all the possibilities are or not understanding how to use it with the other puzzle pieces. Like it's just so weird on its own that it doesn't seem to fit. Like, I think those are like the two biggest things that stop me from finishing a puzzle that I can think of. Mm -hmm. Like, would you agree with that or? I agree with that. I, I feel like it's more the way you see the puzzle at first because they can get really That's frustrating when you're like, oh, I don't understand how I'm supposed to solve this. And then maybe you get, like, one clue, and it's like, oh, I was supposed to do it this way. Or I was yeah. this close, but just, yeah. But, like, what advice would you have for people who are trying to make these puzzles? That's actually a good uh, thing, because I actually, um, we're, we're going on a related tangent, I promise. Um, <laughs> I'm holding you on to that. <laughs> you're going to hold me to it. Um, I, one of the things I do as part of my job is that I run a D&D &D club. Um, and every so often we have free sessions uh, for, for kids who want to try it out for the first time. Um, and I actually wrote a puzzle um, that they half understood and half didn't. Um, so um, one of the things that I had them do is um, Wizard Tower, you got to get to the top. You know, nothing, nothing special about that. Uh, but the puzzle was a variation of rock, paper, scissors to open this door. And basically I had two statues on either, either side. Uh, one had a big smiley face and one had a big frowny face. And okay. one of the statues would be holding one of the components of rock, paper, scissors. So the, the task, basically, was to figure out what the other person had to be holding to complete the puzzle. Um, and they immediately latched onto the fact it was rock, paper, scissors. They didn't have any problem with that. 
where they got messed up is they didn't realize that the smiley face was the person who won the round versus the frowny face is the person who lost that round. So they got mixed up on like what they were supposed to put in. Um, oh, okay. So, like, for example, if I have a smiley face and there's nothing in there, the guy has a frowny face and he has scissors, the other guy was supposed to have rock. So, uh, that's, see... That's a weird way. That's interesting, though, that they took rock, paper, scissors, shoe and just turned it into, like, something so different. Like, and the reason I did that puzzle, because, like, they're new players, I wanted to give them something that they could relate to. So, like, in that aspect of the puzzle, they had no problem there. I think where it broke down was um, I probably... I would pay attention to the language I used. I wish I had recorded it because there was a loss of communication on what the smiley face versus the frowny face was and how that related to the rest of the puzzle. Um, so I, I think just to kind of bring it all around to the puzzle um, thing, whatever puzzle like you're going to make, um, make sure that it is communicated as clearly as possible, whether that is, you know, obviously you probably don't want like a bunch of text scrolling, scrolling by the screen. Um, but no, I don't think gamers want to read that much. No. Um, but if there's like, if you can do like a very small, simple puzzle that, you know, is very easily understood and then slowly expand it out, um, like that's probably a good way to do it. Um, or making sure that you're being very careful about what language you use. And I think that's where I fell into an issue with mine because being a DM is very much describing the scene. They didn't have anything visual to work with. Um, so maybe even drawing a picture could have like helped that out. Okay. And then, so my one thing I'm really like curious about is the whole mechanics and rules and basically the building behind the game design. So have you have you experienced like building like a board game or anything where you've had to come up with tons of rules and mechanics for the game? So I haven't made board games specifically, but I've made two RPGs that are meant to be played with dice and tabletop. Okay. Um, the first one I made was a uh, we just talked about it, survival horror game. Um, it was made over the course of three days for a, um, for a game jam. Um, and the, they basically gave us a, a cue and the whole idea was to, um, uh, the, the prompt was take care. Um, so I actually took the idea and I started thinking about themes and I don't know how I landed on it, but I wanted to make an RPG where if you weren't being careful, it would affect the number of resources that you got. And there was a meter that would always increase. And it didn't matter what you were doing or where you were, everyone in the party would be attacked when that meter got up to full. It was like this sort of impending horror thing where you had to be very Ooh. careful about yeah, what I you like were that. doing. Um, it was so, like a sense of like th threat. No, what it, it's horror scare. The feeling of like if they don't get things done right, something's going to come and attack them. Exactly. So, yeah. um, you know, and I actually kind of also interwove like um, uh, Native American sort of culture where like you, it's all about the tribe and the people mm. that you're with and like respecting, you know, the rules and, you know, sort of that Nature, stuff. And there are also like not, some themes and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I basically turned that mechanic into a, you have to be careful because you're probably going to die if you don't, um, you know, and sort of relating that to the theme and everything. So um, that was one sort of like, thing of like turning an idea into a, like an actual board game the more interesting thing about that i didn't quite get to finish it was i actually intended it to be played over discord um really the, yeah the idea behind it was like you're in this far flung future i think the actual date was 2189 uh, ad and there's just this really weird contagion it absorbs technology it absorbs flesh so you end up like these like cyber zombies and stuff um so oh. like yeah, yeah, it's just, it's uh, wow. it's like think um think of um 
Have you played Horizon Zero Dawn? Yes. Think that, but with zombies. Ooh, okay, I like that a lot. Um, so um, I had that idea, and basically what I did was you can't yell in the world because the more noise you make, the more you know uh, presence you make known, the faster the contagion will find you and you have to fight. You might survive, but you might not. So in the actual game world, I was like, well, they would probably be texting, so why don't I just make that a part of the game? Um, so it actually became like it's kind of like own mechanic in the game where like you cannot talk to people. You have to text and you have to be very careful. And if someone like drops out of communication in the call, they're in combat. You can't talk to them. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. That, was, that it sounds was, like it's going to be really good. Yeah. I, I plan on revisiting it uh, one day. It's just I, I'm a fool and a glutton for punishment. I take on too many projects at once. Oh, we yes. My GitHub, my Unreal, my Uni folders. Yeah, like projects after projects and like a quarter done, not even. <laughs> It's just, so how do you stay focused? Or, do, or is that why you have the systems in place? This is part of the why, reason I have the systems in place. Because my brain, the way it works, and I'm sure you've picked this up from talking to me in the past hour, <laughs> that it has a tendency to go in five different directions at once. Um, and sometimes that makes communication a little bit of an issue. Um, you know, So making sure that I can direct not only my focus, but making sure that I don't lose anyone who you know, I need to be working with. Um, so by having those systems in place, I can keep things in an orderly fashion. I can look at the big picture and then slowly narrow it down to a more specific focus. Mm-hmm. So that's and then, all the reasons. Yes. And yeah, cause being focused is hard in the game dev industry. That's why yes. we always say we have this one rule on this podcast. We say, don't make wow. We, and which <laughs> is like, don't make something huge, make something small, like a small tank game or, I mean, if you want to get a little bit more complicated, but still simple, make like just simple zombie map, like Call of Duty. But don't get too crazy. Don't try to make a huge RPG. Don't try to make a huge story, like single player campaign. Just like keep things small until you feel you're ready, or you have a team or something to like be able to do the more complicated things. Because people just end up getting lost in this one project that they think will be the end all be all, and then they'll finish it, and then it won't be what they thought it was, or won't make the money, or. It's just stay focused on one small thing and get that done and then move on to another small thing and then maybe increase the the size of it or increase the complexity of certain mechanics or something like that. Because the goal is to make it not burn yourself out or or get lost and and then you don't love it anymore. No, 100%. And this is something that I have been horrible with in the past. Like my my overall arching goal is like until that project is done – you're not moving on. So I'm working on this other RPG, and that was for a birthday gift thing. So I am I am contractually obligated to get that done. Um, so uh, once that is done, I'm going back to another project. And you just, I definitely advise you to look into smart goals. Uh, they are very very helpful. Um, I have oh this truck, this obnoxious truck. I don't know if you can hear that, but my apologies. No, I can, but it's fine. I'll uh, um, edit it out some parts. There was. There was a recent um, design talk that I actually just watched. I'm going to see if I can find the name. Um, GDC Notes. I'm trying to see if I can remember what this... Oh, hold on. I think I may have the title. Uh, it's called Hitchhiker's Guide to Rapid Prototypes. Um, the designer... Um, why am I blanking? I just have a screenshot of the SMART goals, and I'm referencing that. But basically, um, it's his process for just making very quick prototypes and i found it very helpful uh, i found it the 2017 gdc doc that sounds correct yes yeah okay i'll definitely check that out 
Oh, look, he's, he even has his own YouTube channel. Cool. So I also wanted to ask about the Star Wars video you did with the combat. Yes. And, uh, I like the part where you said that the combat feels more real because the way he attacks, there's like a little delay. So it doesn't feel like you said it's just a slash and then block and a slash. And you felt like it was more like an actual sword fight. Even though you said you've never been in one, you were like, it feels more realistic. And I was like, yeah, you're right. The game was hard. But it was like hard in a good way. It wasn't like almost like Demon Souls. Like one of those yeah, games, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which that, really helped it. I, I honestly, um, I didn't think I would like a Demon Souls style game. Oh boy, does my game time in game prove me wrong on that one? Uh, but to answer your question, yeah, it was very interesting to analyze that game because um, I, I, I've taken like boxing classes in the past, and yeah. it felt very much like being in a boxing match um where the combat felt more real because you have to pay attention to like where you're positioned your swing takes time uh it's not an instant tap so it's not like um um it's uh, i'm trying focus brain um, assassin's creed where they just like yeah, remember exactly, the old ones it was just easy to kill people or even like the the original God of War. Uh, that's actually a really good comparison because like the older ones were just hack and slash, um, mm -hmm. you know, versus the newer one where it's actually a little bit more Souls like. Um, you know, the the swings take time. You are not invincible. Your shield does not come up right away. Um, you know, there's there's moments where you are vulnerable. So everything is the stakes are higher. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, uh more to lose. Um, you know, and then like with God of War, the original, at least like, you know, oh, I'll just get those souls back. No, it's much more punishing. Um, you know, it, it, and it was very interesting to see Star Wars take that sort of leap in that direction. Um, because like, have you played any original like Star Wars games like back in, oh, when did they come? There's a slew of Star Wars I... games, like, like like Jedi Knight or um, no, I Jedi I've Academy. only played Battlefront two, okay. and Battlefront one for hours, and that was my childhood. I played a little bit of Revenge of the Sith one, um, and some on the Game Boy, like the old Game Boy one, the Advance, where you would like the old old graphics fighting droids as Anakin, but no, not not the Jedi Academy. Okay. Um... Well, when those games came out, this was like the... F I could be wrong, so internet, I'm sure you will correct me if I am. Um, to my recollect recollection, or at least my experience, um, that was like the first time, like, as a kid, you got to play as a Jedi and got to, like, go on the Jedi experience. So it was like, oh my god, this is amazing, you know? Um, yeah, because I think the 64 had the um, Starfighter or the, the spaceship one where you were, like, in the Hoth ship or the X-Wing, oh, uh, but, but there Rogue was no Squadron? Jedi. No, no, no. Um, that's um, that's what Dash Rendar, if I remember hey. his name correctly. <laughs> uh, that one was frustrating for a whole other slew of reasons. But um, uh, getting back to the whole uh, Star Wars thing, it was just like seeing this evolution of like combat uh, has been really interesting over the years. Because like the original games were just like tap, 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 tap. And you were just hoping that he blocked. There was there was like no mechanics involved for like when blocks happened. It either did or it didn't. Um, so it was very much still a hack and slash thing. So seeing that kind of growth over the period has been really interesting. Mm -hmm. But it definitely, I think games being difficult really improve the game. Because I mean, I played God of War on God of War mode, which was, that was hard. Ooh. But I, there's something about games being 
like Demon Souls might be too hard sometimes. Like Star Wars did like perfect, where it's like hard enough, but like where you can then grow, and then you're like, oh my gosh, I've improved, and now I'm able to beat these villains, and I have to go to the next one. Because at the end of God of War, when I did God of War mode, I was just like really good. Like I was, my, my friend was playing in like easy mode or medium. And I went in the back, and I'm like, bro, how are you struggling with this? Just, just like, come on, bro. But because you got so used to the controls and how things work, you yeah, got, yeah, yeah. you can't get hit, so you had to block every attack. So you got used to all the cues. And it's interesting how these games, the harder they are, help you become better, make you feel better. And then also, it shows the game design behind it. I feel like there are certain mechanics you need to learn to be really good. And once you learn those, you're good at the game itself. Same with, like... I think I played Soul. It's another Soul type game. Came out last year, but I realized that game like they a lot of the enemies or a lot of the stuff in the game can be avoided if you know what you're doing. Like I was mm. watching this guy do a quick walkthrough where he got a certain weapon. If you upgrade that weapon and then if you follow the path he takes, you can get to the end, fight the few bosses, and then win without actually going through the traditional round of fighting through the villains, fighting through check. Like it's almost as if like. You need to learn certain things, and you can beat it without... It's not as hard as you think it is. And I made me realize about life, too. Like Maybe life isn't as hard, or some stuff isn't as hard as you think it is, but it's because you weren't, you didn't know it, or your perspective was different, that it just seems difficult because you're trying to do it the traditional way. So that's another way where like hard games have made me rethink things and be like, is it only hard because we're viewing this from a traditional game point, or is it hard because we think we have to complete everything in a game or kill every boss or, or not like that? I don't know. So it's, it's interesting. I, I, I think... Games just really expand upon what is like certain things. Like we question everything. It's 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 definitely a, so. Oh, a lot of information processing. Um, like I definitely agree. It's been very interesting to see like games change over time in the respect of getting more difficult and then like changing what they mean to each of us. And one of the things that I wanted to just like touch on, like because you you kind of like hit on the points, is like. The, the concept of flow rate um, mm -hmm. and, you know, alternative paths, right? Um, so, like, we were talking about how, like, difficult these games are and, like, you were playing with a friend who, like, was having trouble, but you had mastered it. Like, I, like, uh, I'm assuming you know about flow rate before I before I jump into a further tangent. Flow rate? Because I know about flow mm -hmm. state. Oh, it's flow the rate. same thing. Uh, it's just okay. different terminology, right? So... As a game designer, you have to make sure that, you know, whatever challenge you're presenting to the player is not super tough, uh, and but at the same token, not super easy. So, like, for, like, Star Wars or God of War, any of those, like, super difficult games, like, how do you measure that metric of, like, what is too hard and what is too easy? Um, you know, that I find to be a very fascinating question. And, like, I have, like, my own theories about how they did that. Uh, and honestly, like... Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how do you begin even testing for that kind of thing? I guess it's difficult because actually the same friend too. We were playing Detroit Become Human, and for me that game, I think just for me with games, it's not even because I study game design. It's just things seem to click for me. So like, I'll flow better through a level. And so when I'm playing, I'm like, it feels more like the game is intended to play like a movie. When he's playing, he gets like stuck in a lot of spots where I'm like, you, oh, you have to go this way. But I don't want to tell him because it's a playthrough. But then I'd be like, bro, you got to go that way or you got to go this way. Or you... And I, it seems obvious to me, but not for him. So that's another thing, too, when you have to go and test. It's like some things just don't make sense for people unless you really visually show them. Or like, 
you might tell them to go this way, but really they need to go this way. And it's just the person will get tricked by your little thing and then they'll go the wrong way and end up losing the character or something will happen. Because in that game, you can lose characters and still move on to the game. So I don't I don't know how you would you would have to have multiple different like situations, multiple people playing. And then you have to, I guess, accommodate for the people who aren't the people who see it right away. But it's hard because then you would give it, make it easier for the people who get it. Because I don't want it to be that easy, especially when I play a game. I don't. It's a tough, tough question. It's a tough it's a question. Because tough question, like, like, what do you do? Like I guess you have to I... find the major, like the middle, where like there are some people who's gonna get it easily no matter what you do. Some people who are not gonna get it at all or have just harder time. And there's people in the middle, I guess, where they just kind of clicks, but kind of doesn't, and they move through it. You gotta find those people, the middle ground. But yeah, like the, you need the a lot only... of testers then. Yeah, I mean, definitely testing is going to be involved no matter what. Like, I highly suspect, like, as the, like, uh, again, Corey, uh, I forget, I always mess up the last name. Arlock? Uh, yes, thank you. Um, okay. I, like, because he said, like, the game was in development from, like, start to finish. Like, they had some things that weren't even done. Like, I highly suspect that, um, you know, and again, I could be wrong, uh, you know, I highly suspect, like, the minute they got something done, they just, like, kind of like okay this is like once they got something really well figured out that is like our core reference there so like the minute they figure out like the basic attack like okay that's what we're starting with and then they can kind of like change the scale of like how often enemies attack and that kind of stuff like they just need something as a starting point and they can start elaborating from like that's the only like I, thing that i think would work in that particular instance um just because like it the, it's constantly evolving throughout the whole like prototype essentially through for the rest of the game um like but beyond that like i triple a developers give me a buzz i would love to pick your brain because like that is just a crazy scenario to deal with like whoo um it's and like actually i want to get someone who i want a creative director i haven't got one yet but someone actually i did get um let's see raf Raphael. but anyway i need someone else who's like more into the, the god of war one or or something this complex and to just get their brain and unwrap it and understand like how did you bring your creative vision into life and then test it to where it was an actual fun game and not just some kind of like visual movie because that's another thing too you gotta be careful not making something a movie like unless you intend to like the trip become human is intended to be like that but there's some games mm -hmm. where it's like you just want to go and hack and slash and and, and have fun but yeah so because it's hard because like you can have something pretty great visually be amazing but it's like is it fun is yeah it and I, yeah and I think again, like um, um, I, I recently read a uh, a book, uh, The Art of Game Design, by Jesse Shell, uh, and there was a really interesting example in the book where they were developing a um, a uh, I think it was a I think the example he quoted was uh, it was a submarine racing slash shooting game sort of scenario, and every time the they came up, <laughs> yeah, it was really wonky. Uh, but basically, every time they started with the game, they would start out with like. Uh, just a sentence describing the game experience, and then they would discover, okay, this is a problem. And they would reframe the experience, or they would tweak something. They would get another prototype, and they would just constantly like update and keep until they got the final experience that met the expectations. Like, like, and like, I'm hoping that like at some point I can find this magic spreadsheet that will explain all, but. I, I have a sneaky feeling that most of the time it's just like we got to make this thing. Let's see what we do, and then it's just a bunch of tweaking after that. Yeah, and did you? I think this is the same book. It's the book with lenses. Yes, that's the book. exact one. So, isn't there a part in the book where he talks about building like a 
Pirates of the Caribbean Disney ride. Yep, also and that And they had too. this cool thing where they had, like, the whole family involved, but the mom kind of felt left out, and so they made her the 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 captain of the ship. Yeah. And then because mothers like to see their, like everyone having fun, they were more involved in it, making sure the ship went where it needed to go. I thought that was interesting. Like, a whole... This is a different way of thinking of game design because it's an amusement ride, but it's like, how can we make the whole family feel involved? And I was like, yeah. wow. And that's like just also understanding like, you know, in that particular case, understanding what the family roles were or like how they could in- incorporate it a little yeah. bit more. Um, that was interesting to me. My, so my baffled. My favorite example from that book was the Aladdin uh, experience where, um, where basically they were on the magic carpet and they had to you know, fly to the Sultan to get to the next part of the game, but players would end up just flying around the, the whole space and not knowing where to go. So they just put a little red line just down on the floor. And that like changed it from like 40% complete or something to like 90. And when the designers asked them like, hey, uh, what made you go to the Sultan? Did you see the, the red line? They're like, what red line? Like, like a vast majority of people didn't even realize that the line was direct directing them toward the goal. Um, and wow. that is like such a fascinating thing to me, how like we just instinctively what? follow certain things. And um, just like um, which uh, there's a book I have to read also where it's like the design of everyday things, which goes into like affordances and things like that. It's all bundled up in that sort of topic. It's, it's so fascinating to me. Yeah. I think I need to read that too. Cause it doesn't just talk about just games, right? It's like everything. Oh, uh, the and, Jesse's uh, shell book. Yeah, it goes into like, um, like the business. You no, know, the design and everything. The, one. Oh, the saying. design of everyday things. Everyday things. Yeah. I think it's specifically from, not an architecture design, but just like a like design perspective in terms of like what we expect from more of psychology standpoint. I think, mm-hmm. um, it's it's been recommended time and again in the GDC talks, but I have not read it, and I feel like a fool. Um, right, you so, like, keep telling me, but I'm. Soon, uh, soon, I very think soon. I actually might have bought it, but I, because I moved from Florida to LA last year, so some of the stuff I oh, no kid there. Yeah, so I don't know where it is. I think it's in my Florida home of my parents. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, because I, I have the art of game design here. I know for sure. I'll check, but uh, but yeah, I love that book because it just goes into all these lenses and how you should think, view things and and see how the player will see it, how you will see it, and there's all these questions you have to ask yourself. I even did a couple like videos on it because it helps you really understand a lot of things the systems behind it really does it really yeah, does and you can really understand it it's like a tool uh, yeah like tools for you to build your game so like and like i talked about it a little bit earlier we're just like asking the question like whether you're playing a game or making a game like sometimes just asking the question just helps you like look at it differently like, i don't know what bizarre magic goes on in your brain to make that happen but it really does help Maybe we'll find out with uh, Will Wright's new game. We'll find out hey, why. Hey, there we go. Yeah. So before we wrap it up, I want to talk a little bit about the visual arts experience. Sure. And like what your role in is, is in it and like what do you do, you guys do, and just, yeah, what, what it's all about. So basically, um, we, uh, well, not we, I was an instructor at the time, but the company was uh, started in 2012, if I remember right. And um, we basically were one of the first programs to like offer STEAM classes to kids. So this involves, you know, uh, animation, photography. Um, we eventually add game design, um, uh, programming. I think I said that. But basically anything a kid could want to do on a computer uh, we offered it. Um, so we expanded to like visual effects and all this stuff. And we just, you know, get 
kids and we're like, hey, you want to make something really cool? Like, we can help you do it. Like, our whole focus has been like, all right, you know how you want to do something really cool? Well, here's an adult version of you who does that thing, uh, and we're going to go make something. You know, uh, like, that's kind of like our whole uh, shtick, as it were. Um, I've been, uh, I originally started at the company as an animation instructor. Um, and then I actually helped to develop some of the game design courses. I actually started in Unity with that. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, and then I have since um, uh, transferred over into the admin side of things. So I do more of like scheduling and hiring and, you know, things of that nature, working with partners and all that kind of stuff. Basically, if there's a class running, it's probably run by me at some point. Um, you know, and I just... I see the whole whole combatant and I help make sure it doesn't explode and go down in a fiery burst of craziness. Uh, it's a very interesting job, to say the least. Nice. That's a pretty big role. You're, it can uh, be. Holding um, everything we, together. Uh, yeah, but I mean, we, got a, we got a solid team and like our CEO is great. He's very, very easy to work with. That's awesome um, to hear. Yeah. And, and I see you're a Jedi Master it. there, I think. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> like there was uh, I, we need a profile picture. I was like, Photoshop it is, um, you know, because why? Why would you just put, you know, a standard photo, you know, yeah, no. when you can, you know, my background's in computer graphics. I'm like, we can make this more interesting. We can make this more interesting. Um, oh, it's perfect, though. So I was like, that's, that's say, amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, I know you have like all the standard pictures and then there's mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I was like. What? It's beautiful. I'm like, I cannot wait for this interview now. But um, but yeah, so that's cool. So you you consider yourself the Jedi Master at uh, the digital arts experience? I, I wouldn't say Jedi Master per se. I, I Jedi would Knight? say yeah, Jedi Knight. I say I'd say is suitable <laughs> because like um, you know, I I have taught maybe like seventy to eighty percent of the courses on there. That might be a little generous, to be honest. Um, but I've been with that company for such a long time. Like I, I know just about everybody. Um, I've worked with kids as young as seven up to like 16. Um, it's been a very, very cool experience. Um, and with the inclusion of game design, like now I'm just like any chance I get, like, it's a very interesting thing because like on one hand I have to be very organized and make sure everything's running properly. On the other hand, um, the kids in my D&D Discord are like, hey, what did you see the release of the new D&D release? I was like, oh, I have to do paperwork. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting yeah. place to be in. Cool. Awesome. So now I have one last question before we get to sure. the, the challenge. But, the uh, challenge. Yeah, we, we, we do at the end, we'll give a challenge to the students and have you okay. come up with a challenge. But um, what advice would you have for aspiring uh, game developers? Keep at it. <laughs> keep at it. No, uh, so keep at it is obvious, but um, one thing I would do, at least for something that has helped me a lot, is um, don't worry about refining it to the absolute best version that it is. Um, okay. I personally do that, and it's a nightmare because the more that you refine it, the more you try to get it perfect. One, you're not getting any feedback for if people actually like it or not. Uh, there, you might find things during testing that you may not have seen before. Um, and sometimes, one of the most interesting things that I've seen in a recent testing thing that I did for another thing that I'm working on is just giving the players the tools and seeing what they do with them because they may come up with more interesting ways of playing with them than maybe you would have thought of. Um, so to, to summarize, uh, be, keep at it, 
Uh, don't worry about refining it to the absolute perfect form. Test as often as you can. Get something basic out and let the players play. Was, I got five there. Hope that hope that works. That's beautiful. Great advice. Thank as you. Now it's the challenge time. So yeah, so just like our courses and our lectures have a challenge at the end. What challenge did you have for all the GameDev.TV students who are listening to do after the podcast? So, you know, I actually was thinking about a design question last night. Um, one of the most hated things we as human peoples do is stand in line. We hate it. We hate the waiting. We hate the fact we get to see how many people are ahead of us. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating. So I was thinking to myself, is there any way that we can make standing in line fun? Ooh. I'm now just thinking, like, game-wise, make a game, and the game is just standing in line. <laughs> you could. I mean, and take then, that as you will. Uh, yeah, and make that fun. Um, yeah. And it, it could be like, hey, you go to your local bank, and, like, is there something that you can do to make that process of staying in the line actually fun, whether that's, you know, an app on your phone, or is there – or do you just want to turn that into a game? So take it as you will. Um, but I thought that was a very interesting question. Yeah, I like that. I can't wait to see what some people do with that. Okay, well, awesome, though. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, the challenge was fun. Learning about everything's fun. And uh, I'm so happy you came on to talk about God of Wars, game oh, design, God, Star great. Wars. Was this, was, this was amazing. So uh, at the end, I'll usually hand the mic to you to end things off. And I just want to say again, thank you. And uh, the mic's all yours. Oh, thank you. Um you think I have something to say, and I'm 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 caught caught in the wind here. Uh, <laughs> any shout-outs, um, any um, last-minute advice, any anything that just you want to leave us with? Uh, I would say, um, you know, always strive to do your best, but you know, don't forget to live your life at the same time. You know, uh, we we all love making games, and we all want to strive to you know uh, make something amazing, but. Um, and this is something I'm stealing from another designer. This is not me. Um, but in order for a designer to design, you need to go out and experience life a little bit. Um, so don't forget to do that. It's a very bad habit of mine to forget doing that. So I will be doing my best to follow that advice as well. Um, with that said, um, you know, uh, you can check out some of my stuff on YouTube. It's just Nicholas Souza. Um, I've got my own portfolio site up. Um, I'm constantly trying to avoid working on too many projects, but I'm always happy to chat game design. So, um, you know, feel free to, I'm trying to, I closed my Twitter account, so I no longer have that. I'm trying to recall, if you reach out to me in the comments on YouTube, you can probably find me pretty, pretty fast. Um, but yeah, um, I hope that, I hope that's a good way to bring us out. And Kevin, it was great to be here. I really loved chatting and maybe you'll invite me back hopefully, cause, uh, this was fun. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all courses at GameDev.TV or in the show notes at a discounted price. Get started with your game development journey today.